Awesome, awesome. We, we have not only did they have Siki, but they got pregnant again, and they have little IB. And we're so grateful to see those kind of miracles happening in our church. And, and uh, over the course of this month, we're talking about homeschool, but we're going to also be talking about the different miracles in families. And we have a whole series of videos that we're going to be showing about that. And so we're really, really excited about that. It's great to be here this morning. I know you guys enjoyed that extra hour of sleep. Sadly, it's going to be dark at 5 p.m. tonight, and uh, we'll be wanting to go to bed around 6.30. Um, and so that's, I guess that's, maybe that's good for some, terrible for others. Um, I actually hate it, and I hope we never have to change our clocks after this year again, all right? Um, it's so good to have everyone here. Today is the first Sunday in November, and uh, so that means it's Mission Sunday. And uh, as, a, as a culture here at Elevate Ministries, we are givers to missions. We support missions as a church literally all over the globe. And uh, it's so great to have uh, families and individuals who, who continually participate in missions giving. Um, this past month, I just want to kind of show you what we've been doing I, I, last last. Last month we talked about Africa and how we'd just gotten home from a, a missions trip there and how, how fruitful and how wonderful that was. And uh, we spent a lot of money on our, our mission there in Ghana. And about two weeks after we left, the, the building's roof collapsed. I got a couple pictures for you. And so the main church there in Ghana, uh, all of a sudden, I think there's some pictures on the back, there it is. Uh, all of a sudden, I guess they have termites there. And their termites are probably a little different, more aggressive than what we face here in America. Uh, because evidently they chewed right through uh, the structure of that roof. And, and uh, thankfully no one was in the building, but the whole roof just caved into the building. And so Pastor Eric called us. And I'm grateful that we're a part of a church. There it is finished, we fixed it. Um, I'm grateful that, that we're a part of a church that in instances like those, we're able to respond. And, and so we were able to send a check uh, to pay for, for that roof and to get it fixed so that they can have church. And so that's wonderful. Also, this past month, we sent $1,500 uh, to Destiny Rescue. And as we know that $1,500 is enough to rescue a child from sex trade and sex trafficking. And uh, so we've, we've committed this year, each of our campuses, to um, uh, rescue a child uh, each quarter. So last month, we continued with that commitment. And that's a very fruitful one for us. I think it's very rewarding uh, in, in this day and age where, where sex trafficking is so rampant to be partnering with an organization that's doing something about it, not just talking about it, but doing something about it. We put our money where our mouth is, and uh, as a church, we were part of that. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're not a regular giver, uh, contributor towards missions, it's very rewarding to give to missions. And as a church, we believe in the tithe. I know many of you brought a tithe. You've brought an offering to give to the Lord, the, our, our tithe and offering, that meets the needs on a regular basis of, of our church and all the needs we have in this community. But above and beyond, once a month, we set aside a little bit to give towards missions. I know many of you have come uh, prepared to do that today. So if you've if you if you've brought that in cash or check, there's envelopes behind the chairs. Uh, if you want to give electronically, you can do that through the Elevate Ministries app, or you can scan that QR code, code that'll take you to a safe and secure way uh, to make that contribution. Amen. So I want to thank you for your giving and giving to the Lord. I also want to make a quick announcement. This Tuesday uh, is, is election day. And as a church, we need to get out and vote. 
We need to use our voice and, 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 and not, just, not just complain about the things that are going on, but we have a voice, and one of the ways we exercise that vo- voice is to vote. And, and so I just want to just encourage everybody, listen, get out to the polls on Tuesday, get that sticker that says, I voted, and proudly do it. Now, you're looking at the ballot. I don't know if many of you have, a, have had the opportunity to look at the ballot. There's all kinds of measures and propositions that literally many, many, maybe you don't know much about and you don't understand. Um, listen, don't just, just say yes or no based on, you know, complete ignorance because these, these propositions and measurements are extremely dangerous if we vote the wrong direction. It's dangerous for our state. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't know uh, how, to, how, to, how to vote in a certain area, I'm more than available, more than willing to talk to you about it and, and, and discuss that with you. I can give you a voting guide. I can show you because we, we, we believe that our voice should be a biblical voice. We, we vote a According to not our not necessarily our, our our preferences on the person, but we vote according to our principles on the on the agenda at hand. And so I just want to encourage you: if you have any questions about the election, you have any questions about how you should vote, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I can I can kind of encourage you one way or the other and show you kind of the difference, and then you can make your choice prayerfully from there. Amen. Let's get into the word this morning. Uh, we're going to continue on with our theme. We're talking about homeschool. Uh, this is a family series. Traditionally at Elevate, we we do talk about family. Uh, throughout the month of November is kind of heading into the holiday season, and, and uh, we, just, we just think that's an appropriate time to do that. Uh, last week, uh, my parents kicked off homeschool. They kicked off the theme, and I thought it was appropriate that we start a week early. So we started the last Sunday in October because the month of November, they aren't here. And I really wanted them to share uh, through, from their experience and uh, some of their wisdom with all of us. And I really enjoyed that message, hearing my, my, my dad and my mom up here and just talking about how God has designed us to enjoy simple things. And it's not all the glitz and the glam and all the things that we can acquire and all the stuff that we can get, but they talked about the simple things that bring joy to a family that, 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 that is so important in the family. They talked about the value of worship and how our family took a complete U-turn the moment that my parents gave their life to Christ and they committed their life to, to become a life of worship. And uh, I was a part of that just as a young boy. And I was raised in a house that, that valued worship, that valued being in the house of God, that valued the things of God. The second thing they talked about is the value of work. And that how we've, we've kind of drifted into a society that doesn't value hard work and, and the benefit as a result of that. And, and, and how important work is to a person. That internally, this is a simple thing called work, that when you do it, there's such a joy and a benefit. God designed us to work, not only, not only a job, but also to work on our homes and work on our families. It's, it's, it, there's, there's enjoyment from that. And then they also talk to the value of commitment, that we commit to each other. And, it, and even when things get tough, and how many know in family life it does once in a while, that we're going to stay committed uh, to our relationships. And, I, and I, what I loved about last week is what they shared is not something they read in a book. It's not something they heard at like a family conference or, or from a family counselor, but it's something that I watched them as my parents. I watched them live it day in and day out. And so they're talking from experience. And I'm, I, I want to tell you, I'm so grateful for their example to me. It's, it's, it's been so, so, so important for me because a lot of the things that my parents taught me has been a huge help for Carrie and I in, in trying to raise our own family and, and conduct our own family. And, and so this morning, what I wanna speak about today, I wanna kinda of speak into parenting. 
And I know some of you are like, dang, I, can't, I picked the wrong Sunday. Like, 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 I'm not a parent. I'm not expecting to be a parent anytime soon. Or I've already been a parent, and I could have totally slept in the day. I, I could have done all that stuff. And, and um, I just want to tell, just tell you and ask you to, to maybe, maybe if you're young this morning and you're not a parent yet, I remember going to church as a teenager and, and sitting through messages like these. And I'm not, I say like these, but I think this one's actually gonna be a little better than some of the ones I heard uh, growing up, but uh, uh, that's just my own opinion. But uh, I remember sitting through messages like these and not recognizing that in just a few short years, I was gonna be a parent myself. And I kind of dismissed some of, those, some of those things and didn't really pay attention a lot of the times. And I realized, man, I should have listened. I should have listened when they were talking because I don't know what to do. I, I'm, I'm a parent now. And, and um, so this morning, uh, I want to talk about parenting. And I realized also that when we talk about raising kids, it's a trigger for some people. Like, there's a, like, like, like people get triggered when, you, when you're talking about, about, um, um, rela- uh, about being a parent and, and how to parent and how to raise a child. There's a lot of emotion around parenting. People get really defensive. I know none of us in this room get defensive, but people get really defensive, um, maybe, maybe because there's pain surrounding uh, your own experience as a child with your own parents, or, or maybe you're just defensive of your own parenting on your own kids. And, and, and I, I just wanna say this, I can't think of a topic that needs more wisdom spoken into it than child raising. And, and, and you're, not, you're not gonna undertake anything in your life that's more risky or more rewarding than raising kids. I'm just gonna say it like that. So I wanna take some pressure off everyone in the room. Is that all right? Can I do that? I'm gonna take some pressure off you guys. There's no perfect parents in here. Every one of us are, 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 are imperfect in a variety of ways. And, and matter of fact, there's only been one family with a perfect parent, and that would have been Adam and Eve, and God would have been their parent, and yet Adam and Eve still got kicked out of the house. Adam and Eve still had, their kids murdered each other. I mean, this, this is the kind of family. So, so, so relax. I want everyone just to relax in here. Turn to your neighbor and say, relax. It's all good, all right? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So that's what this is about. Now, I actually struggled trying to come up with a title for this message. And you know me, I like to, I like to come up with like one word titles, you know, something that's kind of catchy or creative. And I tried to do that for this message and just really struggled doing it. So... I actually came up with two titles, is that all right? And one's from the negative point of view, the other would be from more more of a positive point of view. So if you want a title that's more negative, write this one down, okay? How to raise children who are not wildly irresponsible and totally dysfunctional, all right? So that's, that's, that's title one. Title two would be from the positive point of view, how to raise children who are happy, fun, interesting, responsible, and whom even you will like. So you could take either one of those and uh, you, can, you can do the, what you want with it. I've, I've had the opportunity and the joy of raising three kids. Uh, Jordan, my oldest son, is 26 and is now no longer on my health insurance. Uh, Drew is 24 years old and uh, he's, he's married and is having a baby very soon. Abby is 18 years old, and, and uh, she's, she's amazing. I stepped into parenting. You're, you're probably looking at me today and thinking, man, you know, how, how could you raise a child that's 26? You, you look so young. Um, well, I stepped into parenting when I was 21 years old. 
I was, I was an extremely young dad. I had no idea what I was doing. And I, a lot of times I think back, I look back at, at the early years of parenting and I feel sorry for Jordan because he was kind of the guinea pig um, for Carrie and I's blunders in raising kids. And so as a young parent, I remember, I remember being a dad, I, I, I was trying to gather information and all the wisdom that I could from, from as many places as I could. I, I began to learn how to parent from my own mistakes because you find out very quickly what works and what doesn't. I, I, I learned a lot from my parents and looking back on how they raised me and some of the ways that, uh, some of the experience I had uh, through their parenting growing up. And, and most of what they taught me and most of, most of the hows that they taught me, I was able to import, Carrie and I were able to import into our own family. I also looked around at other people and other families and other parents with kids and I, I, I learned from the example of others. And oftentimes I learned more what not to do than what to do by watching everyone around me. Now, here's the truth, and you need to hear this today. Parenting never ends. And so I'm always gonna be Jordan, Drew, and Abby's dad. It, it never ends, but the hard work of training a child, for the most part, is behind me. Carrie and I are, are, are kind of moved beyond that stage. And matter of fact, in just a few short weeks, we're gonna be grandparents, which is, which is totally amazing. I'm so excited. Now, I look back on our job working with raising our children, I'm, I'm, I'll be the first one to say it wasn't perfect. But I, I'll also say this, I'm extremely proud of the job that we've done training Jordan, Drew, and Abby. And I look at them today, I look at them with, with I, very, with, with the utmost respect, because I look at them and I realize these kids, these guys are happy, they're fun, they're interesting, and they're responsible people. That's what they are today. They love God, they work hard, they're contributors, they're generous, they're a blessing to people around them, and I had a part in raising them, and I'm extremely proud of that. But this morning, this message is not going to be a how-to message. I'm not gonna like point out all the little things and little nuances that we apply to raising kids and you should do it exactly the way we did because it doesn't work that way. Because every parent, every child is different. Every situation is gonna be totally unique. Every home is unique. And so the way that Carrie and I parented our children is a way, but it's not the only way. And we recognize that. So that some methods that worked with our kids won't work with yours. Matter of fact, some of the methods we used with, some, with, 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 with Jordan didn't work with Drew and didn't work with Abby because every, every child is, is different. Because you don't parent in a vacuum. Like there's circumstances, they have to be considered. There's societal differences that we need to kind of take into consideration. But that doesn't change the fact that we must train our kids. We must train our kids and how you train them the specific way that you do that is less important than just doing it. Let's not worry as much about how, let's just make sure that we do train them in specific things. Proverbs 22, that's the, that's the encouragement from God. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. That's, that's, the, that's the method we're, we're meant to take, but. I'm afraid that when we look at society's approach and we look at the world's approach to child raising, what you tend to hear a lot is not about training. What you tend to hear about is, and it sounds good, all right? It sounds reasonable, it sounds right. What you hear is children just need to be loved. 
All right, there's lots of hugs and lots of encouragement. We just need to love them. We just need to in- encourage them. And, and this is true. Our, our kids need to be loved, all right? They need to be nurtured. They need to be told by their mother and by their father that they're special. They need to be told that they're wanted, that they're loved, that they're handsome, that they're beautiful, all of those things. We're to be their cheerleaders. We're to be their biggest fans. I get all that, but it can't stop there. That's that's not the end of it. Because when you look at at the fruit of society's version of loving kids, it's not awesome. The fruit of it is not awesome. You've You've got a generation today that's never been more anxious or miserable or selfish or depressed. We've never seen a generation more glued to a device and unable to communicate. We've never seen it. So maybe there's a gap Maybe there's something missing. Maybe there's a gap between love the feeling and love the action. Are you hearing me today? Because there's, there's many facets to love, and I guess, I guess cuddles and encouragement and hugs and all that stuff is a part of it. But guess what? It's not the whole picture. That, that's not the end of it. A big part of loving and, and, and leading and raising children is training. And what we're doing is we're training our children to behave and to thrive so that they're able to behave and to thrive when they're not in our house or under our care. Because we want to send into the world healthy contributors to society, not absolute menaces to society. Can someone say amen? All right. So what I want to do is I want to talk to you about some of the things, the, the, the important things that we need to train into our kids. And this is something that a parent has to take an active role in, and I believe it's missing in in modern-day parenting, amen? We want to raise kids that are a blessing, not only to themselves, but to the world around them. And so the first thing that I think we've got to train into our kids, are you ready to write it down, parents? All right, let's take some notes today. What do you say? Come on, we're going to class. The first thing that I I need you to write down today is you've got to teach your children to be responsible with their feelings, all right? Let me say it like this. Feelings are good. All right, feelings are important. Your kids have to be able to express themselves. All right, we get that. They, they have to be able to, to, be able to speak, speak what they're feeling without, without fear of being condemned. And, and here's the truth, there definitely was an era where kids were suppressed and weren't allowed to express. They weren't allowed to feel, they just had to behave. And I know there was an era like that. And, but what's happened is, is the pendulum just began to swing so far the other way that, 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 that all of a sudden the expression, we've let the, the pendulum swing too far and made feelings too important. And so our role as, as parents has to be, yes, mijo, we want you to express how you feel, all right? Your feelings are important, but then we're gonna take responsibility for those feelings. So I'll explain it like this. We're a part of a world today, there's a lot of confusion going on. There's a lot of crazy things being taught and there's a lot, as a result, kids are confused and they don't even understand what they're feeling. And, and so there's a lot of confusion around things like gender, right? We know that's a hot topic in our world today. Imagine how different things would look if we didn't just go to an eight-year-old kid and say, tell me how you feel. Let's talk about your feelings. Tell me, what, tell me how you're feeling. What if it didn't end there? What, what, if, what if instead the conversation were to continue with some follow-up questions? We didn't just leave it with feelings, but we said something like this. I understand how you might feel, but what's the right thing to do? 
I understand how you feel, but what does God's word say? I understand how you feel, but what's the truth? Just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean what you're feeling is true. So what decision, mijo, mija, what decision do we need to make that's gonna lead to life regardless of your feelings, regardless of what's going on inside of you? It's, it's great to feel. I think it's important for us to feel. I think that's what makes us humans and not robots, is that our, our ability to feel, but to be guided by feelings, to allow feelings to lead us rather than allowing principles and values and ideals that are found in the word of God, it's a bad idea. Can somebody say amen? Now here's the, here, here, I'll explain it like this. Growing up, I was not allowed to be miserable. Now there's a time every one of us get up and we're, we don't feel good. Every one of us get up sometimes and we're not happy and we're upset for whatever reason. But as a kid, I couldn't, I was not allowed to do that. Like my, you guys know Sister Bonnie, like she always wants to have fun. She always wants, my mom is, my mom, the last thing she wanted is some depressed kid walking around the house, all right? And so I, she, if I was, if I was sad, if I was kind of moping around, she'd say, Adam, put a smile on your face. Don't, don't walk around here like you've been baptized in lemon juice. I, I don't want to see you look like that. Get outside and play with your friends. It's gonna, it's, gonna, it's gonna be okay. She didn't allow me to walk around acknowledging and letting everyone, projecting on everyone how I was feeling. She, she began to teach me, Adam, you can have control over those feelings. Are you with me today? Yes, you can acknowledge that. Okay, you don't feel awesome today, but what are you gonna do about it, Adam? That's the, that's the question. Proverbs 16, the Bible instructs us like this. In verse 32, it says this, he who is slow to anger is better and more honorable than a mighty warrior. And he who rules and controls his spirit is greater than one who captures a city. That's some high praise right there. I want you to look at it. What, what's the Bible saying right there? It's saying that someone who's able to control his anger, we all get angry. That's a feeling, right? We all feel anger from time to time. But someone who controls that anger and doesn't allow anger to lead him is stronger than a warrior. And someone who controls his spirit is, is greater than someone who captures a city. The Bible is talking about someone who, who, who doesn't allow their feelings to, to control them, but instead takes responsibility for their feelings. And that's why my mom wouldn't let me mope around. And it's amazing how childhood blues and childhood depression can be overcome just by going outside and riding your bike. It's, it's amazing how a kid can snap out of a bad mood by a parent saying, get over yourself. I don't want to see that face. Go outside with your friends and, 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 and have some fun. But, but what's happened in our world is we've indulged our kids in their feelings. Let's just have a one-hour conversation about how you're feeling. Let's talk about those feelings. And guess, guess what? Sometimes I guess that's appropriate. There may be a time for that, but really what your child needs is leadership. Lead, they need training. I know you feel sad, I know you feel bad, I know you feel angry, I know you feel tired, but let's get on with life. Let's get, let's get on with life. You're better than this, you're, you're, you can overcome this, you've got this. And here's the thing, that kind of training, it translates into adult life. 
It, it moves right over in adult life. This training translated into my life because I, I had been trained as a young child to harness my own spirit. And because of that, I don't easily surrender to the worst things that I think or feel. Did you hear that today? Believe it or not, all of us have times where we're not feeling it. Come on, how many of you ever woke up and you just don't feel it? I don't feel like going to work. I, I don't feel like being nice to my spouse. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't feel like it, all right? There's always going to be times and seasons, internal times of sadness, of hurt, of anxiety, all of those things. But instead of projecting those feelings on our, on our entire society, what I would do, because of training as a young child, is I'd have a conversation between God and myself, and I would say, you know what? I know this is a season, but this season isn't always going to be here. Things are going to get better. Things are going to feel better. And I would speak to my own soul, and I'd say, Adam, put a smile on your face, and let's get on with life. And so you're thinking, well, that just sounds a little bit deceptive. Like you're just, you're just saying that we're just supposed to put a mask on and pretend like everything's okay. No, I, I'm not talking about being deceptive. I'm talking about discretion. I'm talking about discretion. You see, not everyone should be subjected to our bad feelings or bad moods. Did you hear that today? And I'll explain it like this. I don't go outside without brushing my teeth and putting deodorant on. And the reason is, is because I don't want the whole world, I don't want to assault society with my bad odor. In the same way, it can be said the same thing for a mood. We can do the same thing with our moods and our spirit. We're not going to allow our feelings to dictate how we behave. We're going to let our behavior tell our feelings what to do and where to go. Can somebody say amen? King David, King David said it like this in Psalm 42. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? What's David doing? He's acknowledging, you know, he's not feeling it. He says, why are you so disquieted within me? He's, he's acknowledging, acknowledging that feeling, and then he kind of catches himself, and he says, hope in God, for I will yet praise the Lord. You see what David did? He, he was able to express, right? He, he was able to, to kind of get out his feelings of being downcast. He was able to kind of share his feelings of being disquieted, but then he took control. He took responsibility for his feelings. He's saying, I don't feel like it, but I'm still going to praise God. I, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to put my hope in God. I'm taking responsibility for my feelings, and so I wonder if the, a lot of the chaos and, 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 the, and the confusion that we're dealing with in society is because too many parents have taught their kids how to feel but not how to think. That is good. Thank you, Bryn. <laughs> you know, I just want to add something to this. Can I add something to this point? Don't make excuses for your kids. Don't make excuses for kids are gonna behave badly at some times. All right, there's evil in them. Okay, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Okay, we, we know that it is what it is. Your, your kids are gonna stretch the boundaries, they're, they're gonna throw some tantrums, and I just want to let you know there's no judgment. Like, they can do that. They can, my kids did it, all right? I remember, I remember when, when, when Pastor Ted came in the church carrying Jordan uh, uh, over his shoulder and, and, you know, pulling him out. I remember these things. Like, our kids are going to mess up sometimes. 
And, and that's okay. In those moments, we're not going to make excuses for them. We're going to train them. Here, let me explain to you what this looks like. Billy, you don't get to punch Johnny in the face just because you're tired. But this, that's not what parents do. Most parents say this. Oh, he only did that. He only punched Billy in the face because he's tired. What you've done is you've made an excuse for him. But this is what a parent does. No, if you're, I know that you're tired, but that doesn't mean you get to punch Billy in the face. If you keep doing that every time you're tired, by the time you're 35, you'll be behind, bar, you'll be behind bars. Right? Here's what a parent says. You don't get to throw yourself on the floor like you're having an epileptic seizure when you want a snack. Most parents say this. Oh, the only reason he's acting like that, the only reason he's throwing a fit is because he's hungry and needs a snack. No, you don't get to do that because you're hungry. Because if you do that when you're older, they're going to lock you up in a padded room and they're going to throw away the key. We don't make excuses for our kids. Somebody say amen. And here's the truth, this stuff translates into adult, adult life. This is why Solomon, in all of his wisdom, he said, train up a child, and when he's older, he won't depart from it. Because the truth is, if you teach your child to choose feelings, rather than taking responsibility for them, then you're gonna raise teenagers that think, you know, I'm sad, I I'm depressed, I think I need to take something just to feel better. You don't get to take drugs because you're sad. There's another way, there's another solution. I'm gonna be responsible for the way I feel. Somebody say amen. All right. So we're gonna teach our kids to take responsibility for their feelings. The second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna teach our kids to obey. We're going to teach, you will obey me. You will, we're going to teach our kids, you're going to teach your kids to obey you. That's what you're going to do. And I know we don't like that term. Like the whole obedience thing, it just sounds so harsh and mean. But let me just be honest with you. An obedient child is a happy child. A child that's given boundaries is happy. A child that's given boundaries is well balanced. A child that's given boundaries will be invited to play dates. A child that's given boundaries won't be excluded from social gatherings. A child that's given boundaries won't be blacklisted from the church barbecue. Do you know what I'm talking about? Your children need boundaries to flourish. Some of you are getting triggered right now. You're getting triggered. You need to push down that spirit. All right, I want to drill down on this point right here. You don't need to give your child a reason to obey. Let me give you a perfectly good answer for why your children need to obey you. You ready? Because I said so. Can we turn to our neighbors today and say, because I said so. Come on, get it out. Let it out this morning because I said so. Because I said so. Please, Dad, but Billy gets to. It's totally not fair. Why not? Because I said so. And you don't have to be mean about it. Like, it doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't have to be harsh. You can even say it with a smile on your face. Let's try it. Because I said so. Because I said so. Actually, the more detail you give, the more reason or more, the, the, the more you explain yourself, the more you invite an argument into the equation. And so as parents, because we're paying the bills, because they're living under our roof, they have to obey because I said so. When you pay your own bills, when you get yourself a job and live in your own house, you can call the shots. But until then, you do what I say. Why? Because I said so. 
And you know, the reason most parents don't want to do that, they want to they like, kind of like, they want to negotiate with their kids and do all this stuff, is because they just want to be a friend to their child. That's a huge red flag for me when parents say, you know, I just, I just really want to be my child's friend. You know what friendship is with your child? Friendship with your child is, an, is a reward that you get to enjoy after you've done the hard, hard bit of parenting. I actually texted my kids this week. I texted them and I said, I'm so grateful that we are friends. I'm so grateful today. I began to think about that. Listen, I'm grateful today. I'm friends with my kids, but it wasn't always that way. There was times when, when we had to drop the hammer a few, a few times. But if, you're, if your main goal is to be your child's friend, you're going to have a hard time parenting them right. It's kind of like this. If my greatest desire as your pastor is for you to love me, I wouldn't be preaching this message right now. Because I recognize some people are not liking this and not enjoying this. I'd be talking about something much better for everyone, much more exciting for everyone, but my position requires it of me to bring direction in these areas. And so if your greatest desire is that your children like you, is that your children love you, then you love yourself more than you love them. And I know that hurts, and so I'm gonna say it again one more time. <laughs> if your greatest priority is that your children like you or, or love you, then you love yourself more than you love them. Proverbs 13, the Bible says, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. You see, society's broken view of love isn't producing good fruit. It's not. And the reason is, is because society's version of love does not include discipline. Society's version of love doesn't include consequences for right and wrong. Proverbs 19, verse 18 says, discipline your children while they're young enough to learn, because if you don't, you're helping them destroy themselves. I, think, I don't think any parent sets out to do that. Like, like I'm going to be a parent. I can't excite. I, I, I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait to raise a kid that's going to train wreck its life. I, 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 can't, I can't wait. I want my kid to shipwreck their life so bad. I don't think any parent sets out to do that. But guess what? It happens every day. We're seeing it happen more and more and more. And the reason is, is because of lack of training. So instead of training, we're making excuses. We're, instead of, and, and, and we're not creating boundaries. We're, we're not disciplining because we think discipline's cruel and discipline is outdated. But let me tell you what discipline is. You ready for it? It's a lifesaver. I, I know there's many thoughts of, on discipline, and this is another triggering spot, and I, I'm just gonna have to go with it. This is, the question is always around like to spank or not to spank. That is the question, all right? I know that many people are thinking about that right now. And so I'm just gonna say this. Spanking worked on me, and spanking worked for me, all right? That's, that's all I'm gonna say. I, 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 I got spanked a lot as a kid, and I think I'm, I'm the most functional person I know. That's just the truth. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just telling you, all right? And here's the thing. I grew up in an era where other people spanked you. Like in the 80s, like some neighbor with a, with a cigarette in his mouth and a flip-flop in his hand, he'll spank you, all right, if you felt like it. <laughs> My elementary school principal, he's a, his name was Mr. Johnston. He was six foot seven. He had hanging in his office a paddle, a wooden paddle with holes in it, all right? 
That's the era I grew up in, all right? So, so you, can, you can project all of your, the new ways of training. All, I just can tell you that it worked for me and it worked on me. And, and some people believe, you know, we shouldn't hit. Jesus wouldn't hit. Do you read the Bible at all? Like, Jesus made a whip out of ropes. He literally beat people, all right? Oh, he, he did that, all right? So, so I get it. And so I'm going to give you some, I'm giving you some space. I'm not telling you how to, to, to discipline your child. Some of you may have trauma from your past, all right? I don't want to mess with you. If you don't trust yourself, I, I, I get it. Or if, or, if, or if a discipline like that, physical discipline, it triggers you, that's fine. I understand that. Then you need to get together with your spouse, and you need to come up with an agreed-upon consequence delivery system. Just because you don't agree with this way doesn't mean you don't have a way. You need to come up with a way to, 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 to discipline your child, withhold a pleasure, take a device, no TV, no Legos, no playing with your friends. You can't ride your bike. You're going to sit in the corner, whatever, the, whatever you come up with, but make sure that that discipline fits the crime, that it's appropriate and that it makes a difference. But we can't not discipline our children. We have to do that. Love requires it. And here, let me, let, me, let me take it a step further, all right? Don't threaten discipline and not do it. There is nothing worse than that. We see it all the time at grocery stores, in restaurants, and you have this, this parent, very passionate, if you do that one more time, I'm gonna spank your butt. And then the kid just looks right at his parent and does it again. And then what's the parent do? Looks like, pretends like he didn't see it. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Don't threaten discipline and not follow through. Carrie and I used spanking to, to discipline all of our kids. And the truth is, I did most, I, I, I did it. All right? There were many times that Carrie would call me and she would say, Adam, you need to get home right now and discipline these children before I kill them. And so then I would get in the car because, because spanking is, is much nicer than death. And so I thought, I got to get home. All right? All right? <laughs> But here's, here's what I want you to understand. By the time all of my kids were six, seven years old, we rarely had to spank them again. We rarely, we rarely had to, to use any sort of forceful discipline again. And, and it's amazing, discipline works. It actually works when you're consistent and you do it God's way. Don't allow your fear or your, your trauma to have you raising kids that society rejects. Make a decision. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love my, like my kids are going to obey me. And if they don't, they're going to they're gonna pay the, the consequence. And they will obey me because I said so. Because I said so. I remember being in a restaurant not that long ago. And uh, all of us have been to a restaurant. And all of a sudden, you've got that family with those kids. You know what I mean? And I remember being in this restaurant. And this, this couple had this kid. And this kid was so unruly and so crazy. It was just, he was throwing food all over the floor, throwing stuff at his parents, knocking over stuff, screaming, throwing a tantrum. He was so, he was so upset. And I, I began to just kind of look at the parents. And, and I could tell they didn't like their own kid. Here's the truth, if you don't like your kid, who's going to, right? Because I didn't like their kid either at all, you know what I mean? Like I wanted that kid gone. And I, I was looking at these parents, they didn't like their own kid and I honestly could see that the husband actually resented his wife. 
And I could see it in the body language because she was trying everything she could do. And he knew he had to get control. But probably somewhere along the line, a conversation went like this. Honey, you can't do that. Honey, honey, we don't discipline. We can't spank our children. We can't. No, no, this is, we're, we're just going to love them. That, that, that's, that's fine. But let me tell you something. You're, if you, if you take the leadership from your husband and the ability that God's given him to bring direction to the family, he's going to resent you for it. He's not going to like you and he's not going to like the kids. And, and I just saw that and my heart hurt for them because discipline isn't, isn't harsh when it's done in love. And it may not fit society's version of a hug and a cuddle. And we don't do that. Let me tell you why. It may not fit that. But, but I, I think we should tell society, hey, let's get a broader definition of love. Because 1 Corinthians 13 says, love does not rejoice in evil. And so when your kids are doing evil, we're not going to hug them and celebrate that. We're going to discipline it. It's your job to bring correction. Teach your children to obey. Number three, number three, teach your kids to be fun and interesting. Teach your kids to be fun. they got to train your kids to be fun and interesting. I was thinking about that today because there's a lot of kids that just aren't fun or interesting. Have you ever noticed that? And kids should be. You see, kids, they're supposed to be fun and interesting. And so I began to think, well, what makes the difference there? And I think, I think the reason that kids aren't fun and interesting is because the parents have projected fear onto them. You can't parent or rule your household through fear. Fearless people, excuse me, fearful people are not fun and interesting. You see, I think what's happened in, in the world today, and maybe you could tell me if I'm wrong, but somehow we've kind of coined this term, you know, toxic masculinity. That somehow like men and their, their, their innate desire to shoot things and blow stuff up and, 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 you know, just do all kinds of wild and crazy things that men want to do, that somehow that's toxic and the future is female. And so society just kind of adopted this whole thing. And I know, I'm not bagging on mothers or fathers, all right? I think God created us very different so that there's balance in the home. But what happens is when we kind of adopt this whole thing that toxic masculinity and, and that's really bad and we start talking about the future being female, what the fruit of that is an overly mothered society where everything is dangerous. You know what I'm talking about? And we can't have fun because fun is risky. And fun is dangerous. And so we've allowed fear to become the driving force of our parenting, and it's ruining our kids. And so what we see is we've got a, we're raising a bunch of weak, pale, overly sunscreened, overly hydrated <laughs> kids that can't go two feet without a snack. That's what we're seeing. And I think the last two years have been kind of a master class in this. Right? It's kind of a master class. We've just kind of said, you can't play with your friends. You gotta wear two masks. You can't go to school. You can't do this. You can't do that. And it's so wicked and cruel to project the fear onto the backs of our children without looking to God who's our healer, our protector, and our provider. Listen, I wanna raise kids who are fun and interesting. And, and oftentimes, especially with my boys, my wife and I weren't on the same page with that. And I was okay with that. I remember one particular day, we were in the Little League All-Stars. 
and um, I was the coach of the team. And you know, in All Stars, you have to you're under strict pitch counts and all this stuff. And my son was scheduled to pitch that day. And I, 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 so, so that day we're, we're out kind of just taking it easy, trying to protect him from hurting himself because I want him to go all in that night. And he's got his skateboard and he decides, I'm going to ollie over a bush and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this the day I'm going to pitch this game. And I was like, Jordan, just be careful. You don't need to be doing this. Well, sure enough, he ollies over this bush and he just rolls his ankle bad, like super bad. Like in 20 minutes, it was already turning purple, all right? It was already getting big. And I said, I don't care. You're pitching tonight. <laughs> he can't even walk. He's like, Ugh. I said, I don't care. You're pitching tonight. And Carrie objects. No, he's not. He can't pitch tonight. I said, honey, sit down. You are pitching tonight. I told you not to do that. You did it anyways. You are pitching tonight. And let me tell you what he did. He went out and started that game. He pitched a heck of a game. Then we moved him to center field. He threw a guy out going home. And he, he, that's one of the stories he tells everybody. You know, one time I pitched and my ankle was all jacked up and blown up, black and blue. You know what that created? A fun and interesting story for a fun and interesting kid. And so I'm not talking about raising reckless kids. I'm talking about raising fearless kids. I'm talking about raising fearless kids. There's a big difference between reckless and fearless. Listen, I want to live a long time too. I don't want to die. All right? I don't want to. But listen, I'm not going to train my kids and have them, and have them the, the driving force of my parenting being uh, you know, raising kids that, that are afraid to die that are avoiding death. I wanna raise kids who will fully live. And I wonder if this generation's obsession with video games and this kind of like crazy cosmic world that's behind a screen is because we've sanitized this world so much that it's no longer fun. That it's more fun to, to be in a pretend world than actually live in a real one. So are you, are you parenting your child out of fear and as a result, are you crushing their spirit of adventure? And I think maybe it's because I grew up in the 80s. So I'll give you that. I grew up in the 80s. My parents didn't know where I was until it was dark. They had no way of getting a hold of me. And you're probably thinking, yeah, Adam, the world's changed since then. Yes, we changed it. We've changed it. We've changed it through our fears. We've changed it through this constant narrative that something could happen to you. You could get sick. You could get hurt. You could die. And so we raise these fearful children afraid to do anything. I made up my mind as the head of my house that I will not allow a spirit of fear to go uncontested in my home. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be cancer. It could be a pandemic. It could be all of society's things thrown our way. We're not going to live according to our fear. We're going to trust God regardless of it. Somebody shout amen. But what if they get sick? And what if they die? You can't be absorbed by those questions and, and, and raise healthy kids. It's not possible. That's not the question that should drive you. I'm not talking about being reckless and taking silly risks. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living fearlessly. Fearful and anxious parents produce fearful and anxious kids. And in the age of anxiety, we've got to teach our kids to be resilient. They're going to be okay. Turn off the news. Put something else in your ears. Stop listening for the next most dangerous thing. And let's get on with life. Let's enjoy it to the full. Somebody say amen. All right, number four. Ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time. Number four, teach your children how to navigate disappointment. Your kids are going to get disappointed. Stuff isn't going to be fair. People are going to hurt their feelings. 
Sometimes they're not gonna be invited to the party. Are you with me today? Sometimes what they experience won't be fair. They're not gonna get picked for the team every time. They're, they're gonna get picked on. They're gonna experience some hardship. And in those moments, the tendency is to say, I'm gonna fight that battle. Don't fight your kids' battles for them. So many parents, the first thing they do is run down to the school and confront the teacher. Run down to the school and rat out some other kid or run to the coach and always running to the defense of their children and fighting their battles. And in doing so, we're, we're teaching our kids not, we're teaching them how not to learn to cope with life. We're helping them have no resilience. I call them snowplow parents. See, I grew up with helicopter parents hovering around and hovering around protecting the kids. Well, now we don't even have those anymore. We've got snowplow parents removing every obstacle, making sure our kids never fail, never experience any hardship, never go any through, through anything bad. Listen, let me tell you something. Their kids are going to have a bad day once in a while. They're gonna experience disappointment and they're gonna have failure and there's gonna be rejection. Leave some room for God to show up on their behalf. Don't rescue your child every time. Let them learn. Life is difficult and hard sometimes. Matthew 5.45 says he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. What did that scripture just say? It says sometimes a jerk is gonna get its day in the sun. Even the bully is gonna have a day in the sun. And then it says even the good people are gonna to have to get it rained on. They're gonna need an umbrella once in a while. That's good because it produces character. Hardship produces character in your children that a worry-free, stress-free, obstacle-free life will never produce. Let them go through a hard time. Life can be cruel, but God is good and you're gonna make it. Number five, teach your children to be honorable. I'm gonna wind this down, going as fast as I can. I'm a little bit late. Let's get the worship team up here. Teach your children to be honorable. Luke 6 says this. Look at it. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained, there's that word again, will be like his teacher. And what the scripture is saying is that oftentimes training is more caught than it is taught. It's, it's, it's not always words, it's also actions. And so when our life is teaching our kids what honor looks like. And so would you like your child's spouse to treat them the way you treat yours? Would you like your daughter's husband to speak to her the way you speak to your spouse? So we can talk about the right thing to do, but our actions speak louder than words. There's an honor deficit in our world. I think everyone would recognize that. You look around and there's an honor deficit in our world today. And I think it's important for us as parents to teach our sons to open doors for women. Is that too old fashioned or what? Huh? Don't let mom take out the trash. I think, that, I think there should be something inside our parents that we're teaching our children. Teach your kids to stand up and give up their seat to an elderly person or, or to someone who's pregnant. Teach your kids to tip the waiter or waitress regardless of the service. You know what I've seen? I've seen a lot of parents say, I ain't giving that, that waiter a tip today. He sucked. Look at my, my, my glass has been, been empty for like six minutes. Are you serious? Like, like this is a kind of service? Your parent, your, your, your child is watching you. Listen, I tip 20% regardless of the service. You could spit in my hamburger, and I'm still going to tip you 
Why? Because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And so that's, what, that's, that's the way I've decided to live. My, I'm going to be a generous person. And I did that in front of my kids. And I taught my kids that because I didn't want them to follow society and treat people with disrespect. I wanted them to be people of honor, people who are generous, that do what's right regardless of the circumstance. Are we teaching our kids simple things like saying please and thank you? Like my mom wouldn't let me get, walk away without saying thank you to someone. She, she wouldn't let me ask for something without saying please. She stood there and looked at me until I said, please, until I said, thank you. I think it's being lost in our society today. Eye contact. You know, an honorable kid will give you some eye contact. My parents, when they had people over at their house, I'm talking about adults. When they had people over at their house, I had to go, I had to look them in the eye, I had to introduce myself, I had to shake them by the hand. It's like I was running for president. But what, were they, what they were doing, they were teaching me, Adam, you, you've, got, you've got to treat people with respect. You've got to show them honor. You, you've got to put a hand out. Listen, can, you, can your kids do that? Do you expect them to do that? Put a smile on your face. I think, I think as, as Christians, we have a responsibility to be happy. When our kids have that sour look on our face, I think it's important that we teach them as Christians we don't look like that. If you're a Christian, inform your face. We've got Jesus in our heart, man. We're going to heavy, heaven. We should be happy. Teach your kids to wait without complaining. Teach them to ask questions and not always be the one talking. Teach them to be interested in what other people have to say. This is how we teach honor and as we do we're raising an honorable generation and the last thing I want to share with briefly before we leave is you've got to train your kids and teach your children about God Deuteronomy 6 says it says those words that I command you today shall be on your heart and you'll teach them diligently to your children last week Pastor Carl talked about the encounter that he had with God and I'm so grateful today that he didn't allow that encounter just to sit in his own heart. But he, he absorbed God's word which says, hey, you've got to put that into your kid. You've you got to raise your kid with these same precepts. What I've done in you, it's got to be translated to him. I'm grateful for, a, for, for parents, for a mom who prayed with me every day before I went to school. She prayed protection over me and sometimes I was running late and I'm like, oh, come on, mom, seriously? Like, I'm a senior, I can pray by myself. I'm 18, like, let's go. No, no, stay there, stay there, stay there. Give me your hands, give me your hands. You, we are gonna pray. <sighs> I'm grateful for a mom who did that. Taught me the importance of seeking God at the beginning of every day. I'm grateful for a dad who opened up God's word and just laid it out for me. See, do you, do you talk about God at home? Are you making sure that your kids are in church on the weekends? Because here's the truth. If you just kind of slide in and you just kind of slide out, you're doing your family a disservice. My family, when I was a kid, we knew the value of raising, raising a family in a, in a healthy church. I learned that as a kid, and I applied that same thing in, in my own family. And here's the truth. We don't just show up at church and just kind of 
do our, do our duty and just kind of slide out. Church is where everything happened. It's, it's where life happened. It's where my best friends were. It, it's where I met my wife. It's the people I, it's the people I do life with, I, I found at the church. And, and the truth is that so many of us, we grew up in such dysfunction in our families. But God's put you in a family that it's not quite as dysfunctional. Yeah, there's some problems here, but, but for the most part, it's a functional, it's a functional group. And, and I'm so grateful about that. As parents, we have a responsibility to teach our kids about God. And are you doing that? I remember sitting around the table and having conversations and talking about our relation, talking about our, our relationship with God. And I can honestly say that I've, I've never had to wrestle with whether or not God saw me. I never had to wrestle with, am I special? Am I noticed? Does God, does God, because there was an atmosphere that was, that was cultivated and created in our home. There was an environment that, that my parents created for me that I recognized how, how God saw me. I recognized that I could have a relationship with God. I experienced that in, in, in the context of my home. And it's something that we have to provide for our children. I remember sitting there and my dad opening up the Bible and sharing with me the gospel. I remember, remember him talking to me about the mistakes that I had made and how, what that was called. It was called sin. And it was because of that sin that I had been separated with God, that I didn't have relationship with God. And then he would open up a book and turn the page and he'd show me the picture of Jesus on the cross. And he'd say, but God sent his son as a sacrifice. He took the punishment of your sin. He, he died in your place so that you could be forgiven of your sin and that your relationship with God could be restored. And I remember many times praying with him for salvation. I was taught about God. And because of that, my life was changed. And my family, my sons, my daughter saved. They have the same relationship with God that I do. And that's what God wants to do in families. He wants you to raise healthy kids. And I believe he, I believe he can do that. I believe we can see a gr the greatest generation that the world has ever seen. We don't have to watch this generation circle the drain. We don't have to raise wildly irresponsible and totally dysfunctional kids. That doesn't have to be our story. We can raise strong, godly, virtuous, loving, respectful, responsible, happy, fun, and interesting kids that even you will like. You believe that? Amen. God, we thank you today. Thank you today. See, I, one thing I love about God is that he talks about the church and his people. He relates it to us as a family and he covers all the bases listen to this we can enter the family all kinds of ways we can get married in we can get married in we're the bride of Christ we can get adopted in the Bible says that we're adopted as sons and daughters we can also be born in we're, we're the we're the sons and daughters of God so maybe you're here today and you know, we've, we've done a lot talking around family and practical things that we can do in our family, but there's, a, there's another family that's so much more important and so much, so much greater that you must be a part of, you have to know about. It's called the family of God. And what God wants for you is for you to be a part of that family, to be a son 
and a daughter. He is your father and he loves you. And he went to great, through, to great lengths so that you could have relationship with him. And so if you're here today and you say, you know what, man, I, I want to accept Jesus into my heart. I want to be a part of this family. Let me tell you, God loves you so much and he would love nothing more than to see you turn your life to him. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I've done a lot of things wrong. I've, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've tried to do things on my own. And you know what? A lot of times it just hasn't worked out. That's what all of us have done. We've always tried to make it work and, and make our families work and make our kids love us and, and get our wives that we've always tried to make it work on our own. But listen, there's always something missing because we were created to have a relationship with God. And without that, there's something gone. There's a gap. Today, God wants to fill that gap. He wants to fill it with himself. He wants to save your life. He wants to change you from the inside out. The Bible says that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. But God, God, God gave his son so that we could have forgiveness of our sin and experience new life in him. If, you, if that's you today, you say, I want to give my life to Jesus all over this room. Maybe just lift your hand up all over this place. All over this place. Amen. Anyone, anyone at all, you put your hand up so I can see it today. All over this place, side to side, front to back. If that's you, lift it up, lift it up all over this place. Amen. Amen. God, I thank you today. I thank you for this church and the desire of the parents in this room, the parents that are actively raising kids, the, the soon-to-be parents that are sitting in this room. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given them the ability to raise a generation of young disciples that can be a blessing to the world. Lord, that's our desire. That's what we want to do. We want to produce disciples of Christ. We want to produce uh, young people that will live and honor you. Lord, that we be a blessing to themselves and a blessing to this world. I pray that you'd help us to do that. Lord, we've talked around so many different things that we need to train our children in, God. And I pray, Lord, that, that you'd help us, Lord, in these different ways to train up a child. Lord, we know there's different methods and different ways and different styles. And, and Lord, we're not going to get caught up in all of those unique differences. But, Lord, we're going to make a decision that regardless, we're going to train them up. We're going to raise them to be like you to follow you and to live for you. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Guys, I wanna thank you guys for being here today. And uh, I, I hope, I hope this, was, this message was a blessing to you. I hope you're not mad at me. I hope that's, that's the case. And I know, I know that some of us in here, that maybe we're beyond the active parenting role. I, I know that's, that's for me, but I still hope this was a blessing to you. And if you're parenting right now, listen, if you have questions or you need help, don't, don't be afraid to ask for it. Seek godly counsel. We'll help you. We'll help you. In the, it's, a, it's a tough thing to do to raise children, but we're here for each other. We want to help you do it. Amen. We love you guys so much. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your week, and we'll see you either Wednesday night for church or Sunday morning. God bless you guys. Thank you.